Father God, I thank you again. Thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have a word for every single one of us here today. Father, hide me behind the cross. Let everything that is said from here be exactly what you would say to us from heaven. That our lives may change. That we will find what you have created us to be. That we will step out of the ordinary into extraordinary. To the glory of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you all so much. Gemini, it's good to see you. Thank you all for coming. There's a question that everybody here, every soul, every human being, there are some two fundamental questions we ask ourselves. For some people, those questions are pretty often, and some, because of life and dealing with marriage, difficult marriages, children, raising children, going to a job, trying to pay your bills. Sometimes those questions don't come up too often. But those questions that every soul, every man, every woman asks from time to time, is, am I important? Am I important? Do I mean something to anybody? The second question is, what am I here for? Why was I born? What, 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 what did God bring me here for? Or those that don't know God, why am I here? That's a question we all ask. And if we're honest, most of the time, we don't know. We really don't know. But in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So for you today, for me today, there's a great promise in just those few words. Those few words tell you that you are like God. That you are important. That you are not just some, something that came out of nowhere. That the finger of God, you are a masterpiece. God chose to make you. It was a deliberate act on his part. Let us make you, man, in our image and in our likeness. And so you have a seed in you. You are somebody. You are like God. You look like God. You have things about God in you. You might not know that, but once you get born again, once you get to know Jesus as your Lord, and once you get the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, you cannot question again if you are here for a purpose. You cannot question again if you are important. Because what God put in you is not what he put in me, but I bet you he put something in you. And so what the world that we are living in tries to do is to just mold you, put you in a case, and shut it up. And you just never come out of that Limitation that the world puts you in. Let me tell you, before you came to this world, I think I've said this somewhere here before, the miracle, if you know the miracle, it took for you to get here and be born. If you know the amount of work you had to do to be born, that will already tell you that you are important and that you are not ordinary. From conception until you are born, what it entails to have you here, never, never question if you are important. And never, never question if you are here for a purpose. So last week we started talking that don't settle 
Don't settle for ordinary. The world these days, there's so much going on that will want to make you fit into a mold where you just live day in, day out, year in, year out. You can't really see a progress in your life, in every area of your life, more so in the things of God. And this message is really to make you start to think. Let me tell you, it is okay to make mistakes. It is okay to fail even. It is okay to fall seven times. But it's not okay to sit down there. It's not, it's not okay for you to give up. It is not okay for you to label yourself and say, oh, because I'm divorced or because I didn't go to school as good as whoever or because I am this, I am that or because I don't have this, I don't have that. You cannot be an extraordinary person. That is the lie from the pit of hell. And I told you the other day that whatever you are experiencing now, let's see what the scripture says in Psalm 82 from verses 5 to 7. It says, They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. But God says what? He says, You are what? When we read that, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. He said a small G. He didn't put a big G, so you are not God. But if you were made, my children are my children. My children have my DNA. If you see them, they were supposed to look like me, but they don't look like me. They all look like their father. But you know they belong to me. The same way, you belong to God. You have the DNA. You look like God. So he says here, I said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. I really don't like reading verse 7, you, because you, we will not die like men, men. He says, yeah, but you die like men, men, and fall like one of the princes. That's not going to be our portion in Jesus' name. We are made by God for signs and wonders. Even Jesus referred to this same scripture in John 10 verses 34 and 35. When he was doing some great miracles and they were saying all kinds of things. He said, but your Bible says, he said, Jesus answered and said, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them, that's if he called us human beings gods to whom the word of the Lord came and the scriptures cannot be broken. You hear that? He said, Jesus talking now, he says, the scriptures cannot be broken. That's who you are. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world that he not, is, is not a God? You are saying I'm blaspheming because I said I'm a son of God? God wants us to reject an ordinary life. If there's something you want to try that has been in your heart, go try it. If it's to go back to school, go back to school. If it's a business you want to start, step out and start it. If it's a ministry you want to start, step out and start it. Until you try, you will never know if you will succeed or not. And you always have that nagging thing in your head. Should I not? Should I have? Or how do they say it? Should I have done it? Should I have done it? Until you try, you don't know. And if you fail the first time, it's okay. You know the seven up? You know why it's called seven up? The guy, he was trying to come up with that drink. He failed seven times. It was the eighth time that he, he was up. So seven down, then up. That's what it means. It's okay to make mistakes, but don't just give up. So why must we reject an ordinary life? Job 26, I love this scripture. Job 26, 14. It says, these are the mere edges of his ways. What you are experiencing now, 
what your life is now, no matter how all that you think it is, it says they are just mere edges. It's like the tip of his ways. And how small a whisper we hear of him. It says, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Hallelujah. God wants to speak in a loud, thunderous voice. God wants to reveal himself in your life in such a way that it cannot be denied. God wants to do something awesome in your life. Don't settle for ordinary. What you have now is just the mere edges. Mere edges. There's a whole lot more to explore. He has so much for you. We have the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus talking again. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, on all in, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We have power. Whatever you put your mind to do, with God helping you, you can do it. Don't give in to hopelessness. The other day I was, I was, you know how they say you wear many hats? You say, oh, you wear this hat, you take it off and you wear this hat. And it kind of bothered me because I don't want to be wearing a hat. I have a crown. I don't want to put my crown down and wear an ordinary straw hat. No matter how pretty that hat is, it's not the same as the crown that God says he has crowned me with, with goodness, with loving kindness and mercy. Refuse to take that crown down. See yourself always wearing a crown. Heart is, a heart is not good enough. A heart is not good enough. No matter the different roles you have to play, it's the same crown God has given you. He's crowned you with mercy. He's crowned you with loving kindness. He's crowned you with his seal, with the blood of Jesus. You have a crown on you. You may not see it, but the demons see it. You may not see it, but God sees it. And that crown on your head is not for ordinary. I've never seen a queen or a king with a crown on his head on the streets, picking dirt from, 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 the, from the floor. When you wear a crown, it's royalty. And we represent Jesus. The signature of God is in us. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace to you as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. How did the Father send Jesus? He sent him with supernatural power. He sent him to go about doing good, healing all the sick, delivering all those who were oppressed by the devil. And Jesus says, the same way God sent me, the same way I'm sending you. Not different. So, we cannot be ordinary. So, how do you know? And how can you tell you're beginning to slip into ordinary? Or, if these things are in your life, it's, for, it's time for you to say, no, I refuse them. I refuse them. The Bible says, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Everything about us should be about God, if you're saved. Everything, all about God. I'm just going to list some things here and... We can find ourselves in one of these. An ordinary Christian is one who lacks spiritual zeal and intensity. An ordinary Christian is unstable spiritually. They are up today and they are down tomorrow. An ordinary Christian is stagnant spiritually, stale and dry, doesn't hear from God, doesn't desire God, does not pray, doesn't want to do anything out of the ordinary. An ordinary Christian has no motivation or excitement for spiritual things, 
Let's come for prayer on Friday. Some are excited and some are just like, mm, Friday, mm. You are, that's an ordinary Christian. There's no hunger. There's no thirst. Like David said, my soul pants after you. My soul hungers for you. When would they say to me, let us go to the house of the Lord? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. That's a Christian who is extraordinary. A hunger, a passion. And we'll come back to that. A Christian that is not spiritually aware. People are talking about end times. God is speaking. God is doing this. And they're like, how does God do that to people? Yeah, God is speaking. God is speaking. Someone here at 3 o'clock this morning, she sent me a text. I saw it when I woke up. God did not let her sleep. Was downloading things in her spirit for, for several people. I will show some of you later. God is speaking. But who can handle that thunder? When you are not, this is the big one. When he says, Go ye therefore and make disciples. And there's no spiritual, you don't see a place in your life where you're making an impact. Where you are making an impact into the kingdom of hell. Where you are destroying strongholds. Where you are taking people out of the clutches of the enemy. And it's not bothering you. That's an ordinary Christian. Because Jesus, why he came from heaven, pulled back his God. His godliness pulled back that veil and chose to bring himself into the womb of a woman. The reason he did all of, all of that was for me and for you. And so for a Christian not to have that same passion to see souls saved, for a Christian to be a Christian year in, year out, and there's no one person you can say, oh, I led that person to the Lord, you need to ask God to give you fire. You need to ask him to birth in you a desire to see souls saved. Those are the ways we can know an ordinary Christian. All of us have areas here we need to be better. Every one of us, including me. So what do we do to overcome this? These things I just listed. I told you I was going to give you seven keys. We started with one or two of them last week. I won't go too far into them. But the first one was brokenness. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12. It says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Break up areas where your heart is hard towards God. Break up areas where you have built up a wall because of maybe things that have happened to you, what people have done to you. Maybe the church has hurt you. Break that wall down so that God can flow into every area of your life. We all make mistakes. People offend people. The Bible says there's no way offense will not come. People will offend you. You, might, you got married and the marriage didn't work out and you're divorced. Don't build a wall in your heart that just makes you a hard person deep on the inside of you. Let it go. Leave yourself broken. Let God break everything. Depend on Him. Because after all, he's the only one that can really help you. No person can help you like God. A broken person. The two fish, the two loaves of bread and five fishes, they were not useful until they were broken in the hands of Jesus. That alabaster bus that was so expensive, Mary Magdalene brought it. The fragrance was contained because it was in a box. But the day she broke it, and anointed Jesus. She was not ashamed. She used her hair. A woman's hair is her glory. She didn't care that all those men, she may have had men there that she's had affairs with, but she didn't care. She knew this is who can help me. This is who can save me. Broke that expensive oil. Knelt down, used her hair to wipe his feet. Cried and used her hair to wipe his feet. And that brokenness brought a fragrance that filled the whole place. Allow God to break you. Sometimes we are too, we are too intact. We are too strong. We are too much for ourselves. Genesis seven eleven. He said, in the six hundred year, 
of Noah's life in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month. On that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. Before the windows of heaven will open over your life, the deep, 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 deep fountains on earth has to be broken up. Heaven is closed over someone who is not broken before God. Number two is passion and hunger for God. The Bible says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Not part, all. Is either all for Jesus or is nothing? Because that's it. See, one thing with Jesus, he will not tell you what he did not do. He will not tell you to do what he was not willing to do. He was willing to give it all. And so he says you too must be willing to give it all. Give up the comfort. Give up what he tells you to give up. And one thing with God, if you give it up and you seek his righteousness, in Matthew 6.33, if you seek his kingdom, and if you seek the righteousness, everything you do give up, guess what? He will give it back to you. And multiply it back to you. That's the God we serve. Be willing to give it up for him. Passion. I saw this scripture in Second Kings 4. Chapter 3 and 4. Why you must never, never be satisfied with where you are in the spiritual realm. Never think you've arrived. Never, never, never do that. Listen to this. Second Kings chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. This was Elijah the prophet. He said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from your neighbors, empty vessels. That's what you need to gather. Do not gather a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and then you shall begin to pour into all those vessels. But what did he say? Set aside the full ones. Set aside the full ones. To agree to be satisfied, to agree to say you are full, is to be set aside by God. God will overlook the one who says, I know it all. God will overlook and set you aside if you said, I'm, I'm full, I know it all. I, I don't, what are you going to teach me? What do you know that I don't know? Once you say that, God is going to set you aside and go look for the one that says, God, I'm empty. Please fill me. And God will fill that person. So never, never agree with the enemy that you are full. Number three, living a holy life. This is not very common anymore to say, but let's read what the scripture says. Hebrews 12:14. It says, pursue peace with all people. And listen, pursue peace and also pursue holiness. You have to pursue it. It's something you have to, intentional, when I'm pursuing something, is an intentional thing for me to pursue it. And it says why? Without it, without holiness, no one will see God. We live in a society now where everything is permissible. There was something Pastor uh, uh, Larry was showing me about. They are wanting to make eating a human being cannibalism a normal thing. You can go now, if you, they will have a restaurant where human meat. Yeah, that's what happens. When evil starts, it doesn't end. It starts little. It just started with take prayer out of school. Just pray. No, don't, no, don't pray anymore. Take, take the Ten Commandments out. Then before you know it, the alternative lifestyle, oh, there's really nothing wrong with it. Oh, it's okay. And then, oh, pedophiles. Well, some people like them young. Some people like them old. You know, it's okay. 
Evil does not stop. It promises you a whole lot, but delivers absolutely nothing to you. How can human beings degenerate to the fact now that they are trying to propose to have a restaurant where you eat human flesh? In this world. So holiness, separating yourself, is crucial. Without it, you will not see God. Period. If you live for yourself, you will not see God. That's what it says here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all. When the Bible says things and put emphasis, let us pay attention. It says, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Are we going to be perfect? No. Do we fall into sin and commit sin? Yes. The Bible says, if you say you have no sin, you are a liar. And the truth is not in us. However, be quick to repent. That is the key. Don't make that thing a lifestyle. Be quick to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Because if Jesus said, forgive somebody 77 times, 7 times, he's asking us to do that. I want to believe that he can do more for me. I want to believe if I fall into sin and I go to him and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive me. That's what the blood of Jesus, he will cleanse you from all sin. But... Don't be a slave of sin. There's a difference. Be a slave of righteousness. And when you fall, you get up and ask for forgiveness. Don't allow the enemy to condemn you. He's convicted you. You're sorry. But don't live in sin. Holiness. Holiness. Number four. A fasting lifestyle. A fasting lifestyle. Set aside one day a week. Three days a month. Just tell yourself, because when you fast, what happens as a believer? If things are just becoming routine as a Christian, you're just finding out the fire is not like it used to be. The desire to be with Christians or be in church, the desire to pray, to read the scriptures is no longer as you know, take time out and fast. What will happen is it sharpens your spiritual senses because hunger in your stomach leads to hunger in your spirit. There's a connection. And the Bible says those that wait in Isaiah 40 verse 31, when we talk about waiting on the Lord, we're talking about fasting and praying. He says those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So if you find that spiritually your, your strength is going down, is ebbing away, take a day and fast. You can just miss a breakfast or your lunch and eat dinner. Allow yourself to feel hunger pangs. As you do that, it quietens your flesh. It quietens your mind. It allows your spirit to be sharp. It's a spiritual exercise that if you're not doing, you really are missing a lot. And make it a lifestyle. Once a week. Maybe the beginning of the month, the first three days of the month. You do what works for you. But don't just live by bread alone. Paul, their great apostle with all the revelations, with everything that he did. See what he said in 2 Corinthians 11.27. He said, in weariness and in toil... In sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often. So he fasted very often. No wonder he had the revelation that he had. Take time out to wait on the Lord. Let him renew your strength. Let him renew you in areas where you are beginning to slip into ordinary. Let him light that fire, ignite that passion. It will make your praying easier. It will make your reading of the word easier. 
If you've not tried it, I promise you, just try it. When you're hungry in your body and you're weak, the scriptures come alive. You're able to pray more. You're able to pray deeper. Number five, sacrifice. 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 Willing to sacrifice something, not for your own good, but for the good of somebody else. Willing to have a vision, a cause. Willing to have something that is outside of yourself, that you are willing to do something about, despite how it inconveniences you. People that do that are always extraordinary. People that don't live for themselves alone are always people that God can use. You tell God you become a funnel. You become a tunnel that he can just push things through because you are not all about me, my, me, my family, me, I. Sacrifice. Jesus was not shy about asking us for that. Look at what he says. In Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Then he puts in the clincher here. He says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Be willing to do something for the Lord. Be willing to lay aside your comfort. That has become the greatest hindrance for our spiritual life. And that's just the truth. We have too many comforts around us. Too, too many. Do you know today, Sunday morning, maybe we're elsewhere in the world, there are people that will walk, wake up at 4 a.m. to walk 10 miles to go to church. There are people that don't have Bibles that we have, they will have one Bible in the church. They will tear pages. One person will read maybe Genesis 1 to 15. Then when you finish, you are looking for somebody that has Genesis 16 to 30. And you, you switch. People, they write names down and they tear the Bible so that everybody can have a portion to read. And then they come back, then switch again. You, go, you get the next one. There are people that come to church with no shoes on but they are in church. We are going to the same heaven. There are people that are willing to lay... You, oh, you were, he, I didn't think she said it here, Bishop Ladonna. I think when we were in lunch, she said it. A young 25 years old, he got saved... In a camp, uh, what do you call this uh, refugee camp in Uganda, they have millions of people that have been displaced. He got saved. He's 25 years old. He, I don't think, he, did he have a Bible or not? He didn't have a, a. Yeah, he's the one that went over the. He went. He went from uh, Uganda to, or from Kenya to Uganda. He got saved. He didn't have a passport. He didn't have a Bible. 25 years old. He to God told him, go across to the other nation. He walked to the border and they told him, you cannot go through. Where's your passport? He said, I don't have a passport. What are you going to do? I'm going to preach the word of God. You can't pass through. But long story short, they let him through. And that young man, 25 years old, by the time he got in touch with Bishop Ladonna, he had... 400 people. He's, and I'm like, what is, it, what is it preaching to them? He doesn't even have a Bible. 
We are going to the same heaven. Let us sink in. Sacrifice. He just got saved. He's just like, I have to. And he, God made the way for him. Now he's pastoring people, doesn't even have a Bible. He's just telling them his testimony and what was told to him that made him get saved. And people are flocking to him, getting saved. Luke 14, 26, 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, Jesus doesn't use words carefully. He says what he means and he means what he says. If he does not hate his father, he's not telling you to go hate your father. There's something behind it. He's telling us here. There's a law here. If you don't hate your father and your mother, if you don't hate your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, you cannot be his disciple. What he's saying that if you put your wife, if you put your husband, if you put your children, if you put your money, your wealth, your comfort before him, you are not worthy to be his, his disciple. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's the truth here. Because you know what? Comfort is robbing us of extraordinary. Comfort is robbing us from doing things that people will say, wow, because we're just too uncomfortable. Intense moments, number six. And a, a, word of, a word of wisdom to, to the, especially the young people. Listen to me. You will never see a vulture and an ego be friends. You will never see it. It will never happen in nature where an eagle and a vulture are together eating in the same place. Righteousness and evil, they, have, they, they should never be together. Don't be unequally yoked. If you're speaking to them, it's because you want to win them. If you begin to speak to them and they are the ones winning you, you become a vulture. Because God made you an ego. Okay? Number six. Intense moments of worship and prayer. I'm not talking about, oh, God, I need a breakthrough, so I'm going to really spend time in your presence. No. It's just to say, God, I want to worship you for who you are. God, I just want to spend time and pray to you because you are good, God. How many times do, I mean, when you kneel down, and I, I do it too. You have your list to give to him. God, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. And he hears us. He's a merciful father. But the extraordinary Christian, the extraordinary man or woman, when you go to your maker, you go not because of what he can give you, but because you just want to seek his face. Not because of what he has in his hand. That's not important. I just want to gaze at you. And I want to thank you for what you've already done in my life. I want to thank you that even being born, being here, it was because of your plan for me. When you worship him and you praise him like that, he begins to reveal things to you. He begins to download into your life. And believe me, all those things, he will take care of them too. Seek him and make it intense. Paul and Silas in Luke 16, 25 to 27. At midnight, midnight is not a time that you want to praise God. Midnight is a time you want to relax. The midnight times of our life are the hard times where you don't see, it's so dark, you don't see light. You're going through a difficult time. That's the midnight. The midnight is the worst part of it. That's when they decided to praise God. That's when they decided to worship God. They were in chains, but they, they, they don't let the chains stop them. And when God saw that, you think that earthquake, that was not an angel. That was God standing up in, in his throne. That was God coming down and those chains flew off. Spend time with the, with the Lord. I've been saying this a lot. These days God is talking. God is shouting. But there's too much noise around us we are not hearing. 
Quiet yourself down. Quiet yourself down. Don't be too busy. Go into your room, lock yourself in, shut the TV down, turn your phone off, put on some soaking music and just enjoy him. If you have children, do it when they've gone to bed. And I promise you, you will start getting things that you will start becoming an extraordinary Christian. And last but not the least, is reading the Bible. I made Teresa print something. I just, I saw this. I actually heard somebody mentioning it. I like, oh, I'm going to add it to it, to, to this thing, because it was just so awesome. Matthew 6, uh, 4, 4, sorry, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Your spirit man needs food, just like your body needs food. And the word of God is food. And if you read the word of God daily, it's just like when you eat and you're strong, you're, you're not susceptible to infections, your, 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 your body is strong and immune to stuff. It's the same thing in your spirit man. If you don't eat, your spirit man becomes weak, becomes anemic, becomes susceptible to infections. It's just the same thing. So in conclusion, there was a, this study was done by Lifeway Research. And they just took 40,000 people. Do we still have some out there in the, in the... Okay, I told you I have to print some. Okay. 40,000 people ages 8 to 80 were polled on their Bible reading habits. These were both Christians. They didn't ask them if they were Christians or not. They found some things that were profound. If you read, just reading your Bible one to two times a day, it made no effect in your life at all. At all. If you did three times a week, there was a small indication of a little change, but it was not stable. It was off and on. So that tells you that Christians that are up today, down tomorrow, they are probably reading their Bible one to three times a week. Maybe when they come to church, they open it until next Sunday again. We don't open it or they don't read the scripture. But when it became four Above four times a week, there was such a huge, profound effect. Loneliness dropped by 30%. Anger issues dropped by 32%. Bitterness dropped by 40%. Sex outside the marriage, fornication, young people, it dropped by 68%. By just reading the Bible four times a week. Four times and above. Feeling spiritually dry and stagnant dropped by 60%. Viewing of pornography dropped by 61%. Listen to this. Sharing your faith with others went up 200%. Two hundred percent. If you just read your Bible, minimum four times a week, that desire to share Christ with people went up by two hundred percent. The willingness to be discipled, to sit down and know more about the Word of God, increased by two hundred and thirty percent. So, what does that tell you? When I read that, I was like, okay, are we truly studying our Bible? This is not even study, this is just reading. It didn't say study. It just said, I mean, I told them to print it so you all can see it. Just reading the Bible. Yeah, put some out there so when people want to, they can get a copy on their way out. I saw that, I'm like, this is a study that was done. So, please, all this we are talking about, God has a reason 
for us in this church. We are going somewhere, amen? Amen. We all are going to be used by God. None of us will be left behind. I will not allow it. I just will not. Do you know in the last nine months, the things that God has done among us here? Jennifer Thurston, where is she? In the next two or three weeks, she's going to come up here. She's starting the ministry freedom in Christ. Because we have people coming for deliverance, but once they get delivered, they have to be taught the word of God to maintain their deliverance. She's going to start that ministry. She's been training and training, going on her own, using her money to take the training. She's done several small groups on that just to get that ministry going to help people. We have people here praying for this ministry. God will wake them up at night. They can't sleep. It doesn't have, what you're doing does not have to be here. But I want you to please, when you get home, begin to think, how am I going to make an impact? What has God put in me? God said he put in everyone, some of you one talent, some of you two, some five. If God put one in you, he's not going to expect you to do five. But at least he's put something in there. Please. We all have a mandate. And that is it. Go ye therefore. We shouldn't be having empty seats here. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. Am I preparing to preach? I am. I spend time preparing. I spend time preparing. I spend time praying for all of you. But every one of us, we have to do our own part. Because this mission, this vision that we have been given, is not for just me. It's for every one of you sitting down now looking at me. You are not ordinary. I told you all last week, if I, nine months, it will be nine months in two days. If I can, I can stand here, I know me. I know who I am. I know me. I know me. So please, you are not ordinary. You are not. The seed of God is in you. You can do something for the Lord. You can be used of God. In the area He's gifted you, you can be used. Don't let anything, don't let anyone, don't let the devil push you into a mold and tell you, ah, you're not like, ah, you do, ah. No. Fight it. Fight that, that, that push to mold you. And refuse to do that. How many of you are here with me today saying, I refuse to be ordinary? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I don't know what gift God has put in you, Mary. You. But God says you are not ordinary. You are here by yourself today. You woke up this morning not caring whether any other person was coming to church. You came. You know why? There's a, there's a work for you to do. There's a work for you to do. Don't let anybody make you feel less than who you are. You're strong. You're beautiful. His hand is upon you. These altars are open. I've told the Lord, we move the chairs back. Because this is, this, is, this is open for you. If you want to come and receive from the Lord, just come. If you're sick in the body, just come. And tell the Lord, I'm just tired of not making headway. I know I am. I know that there's so much more I can do. I don't, have, I don't have what it takes in my own physical mind, in my own physical life. But I know that with God all things are possible. And it is not by power, it is not by might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. 
So if you, if you want to just be open to Him and you desire not just to be an ordinary Christian, just come in, warm the seed, go back, just let's raise our hands and tell Him, Father God, Father God, take out ordinary. For your desire for souls. For your desire for us to step beyond where we are right now, Lord. Do it for us in the name of Jesus. Father, do it for us in the name of Jesus. For everyone here today, right here at the altar, God. For everyone who desires to take that step a little higher. Father, you alone can do it. Begin to open our eyes. Begin to open our minds. All things are possible. All things are possible. But it says it is possible to him who believes. Lord, we believe you today. We believe you today. Father, let us not live our lives. Always. Just being natural. Let even the shadow, our shadow, heal people like it did in the days of the apostles. Let people see us and say, what is the difference in you? Let our lives be that lamp that is lit, that is upon the hill. Ah, we give you praise today, my God. Baptize us today. I come against everything that is against your children. I break up every burden. I break up every fear. I break up every low self-esteem. I break up everything the enemy has put on their backs. Everything that says they cannot measure up. Everything that says they are not good enough. I break it up of them now. I break it up of you in the name of Jesus. You are more than enough. You are more than enough. The spirit of the most high God lives in you. You are a child of the most high God. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Go out there and grab hold of what God has for you. Ah, thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. We give you all the praise. Oh, we give you all the glory. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Oh, we thank you for your word. 